Hey there, and welcome back to the McNaughton McKay podcast. Today is episode 23, and I am joined by Jeff Southern. He's a solutions architect here at McNaughton McKay, and we're going to be discussing parallel redundancy for high availability networks. Jeff, how's it going? Going good. How about you, Austin? It's going great. So parallel redundancy, could you give us an overview of what it is in general? Well, it's the first uh, type of network we have, which gives a true A and B network path uh, between processor racks and control devices. Uh, a little, little different from a ring in which everything is a redundant media, but there's no actual redundant network path. Okay, so what you're saying is in a ring structure, typically, we have everything connected essentially in a ring or in a circle, but there's there's nodes on each side and there is no break necessarily in the path. So uh, if we do have some kind of disruption, we can redirect traffic. But you're saying that this is this is almost like two lands that have been tied together. Correct. Each end device, uh, which is called a dual access uh, device or a DAN, uh, we'll we'll be able we'll actually have two IP addresses on two separate networks. Okay, so is this something that we can just structurally build, or is there some kind of new piece of hardware that is enabling this now? The the primary piece that's enabling it is the 1756 EN2TP, which is a uh, Ethernet adapter uh, that's, that lives in the chassis that provides this ability to uh, handle the traffic from the A and the B network correctly. So that uh, you know the, the communications flow down both sides of it correctly and get terminated correctly at the other end. So essentially, we have two networks that are allowing traffic to travel almost in parallel, but due to the hardware that we have, we're essentially ignoring one of the message strings until we happen to need a fallover. Is that correct? That's correct. That's one of the advantages of this protocol is it sends the message simultaneously. So that if one path does fail, there's virtually no delay in the uh, in the healing of the or the packet getting to where it's supposed to go. Okay, so I'm assuming for the the sake of argument or for the sake of of this technology, this is going to be a lot faster, a lot more reliable than a ring structure. Could you give us some ideas of where this is important or what kind of applications would would really benefit from this architecture? Well, obviously, the process control applications where the network, you know, cannot stand being disrupted is, is one of the primary applications. Uh, also, uh, in replacing the older control net networks, uh, in the past, to provide this level of redundancy, we had a control net adapter with an A and a B channel. It's physically an A and a B coax cable. In this case, we can actually build two completely independent A and B Ethernet networks. So a big, big advantage there uh, for replacing older control net systems. Uh, and, and also any time a customer just needs a, a more highly available uh, redundant network infrastructure. Okay, so it makes a lot of sense, right? If we're in the middle of a process application and something were to go down, it could potentially ruin all of that product. Um, so in the case that a customer already has an install base of control net, uh, we now have some option at least for potentially obsolete hardware. Is there anything else in terms of, I know you spoke of the, uh, the EN2TP uh, Ethernet cards that would go into the, uh, the PLC chassis. Uh, what else do we need to, to help this interface? Say if we have a, a device that maybe doesn't have the ability uh, to operate on these parallel redundant networks. Correct. Uh, for example, let's just say a, a typical VFD doesn't currently understand the technology. 
So you employ what they call a red box device. It's a fancy word, uh, just means that there is, we, we have a Stratus 5400 switch, which allows you to connect it to both the A and the B network. In other words, it supports the protocol. And then, it, and then you can attach to that switch any device that typically talks over Ethernet, even if it doesn't understand the new parallel redundancy protocol. Okay, so we, we can use now this uh, Stratix Redbox in conjunction with, uh, with our PLC cards. Uh, what about, is, is there any other kind of distributed I.O. or anything like that that we should make note of? Sure, the, uh, the new Flex 5000 from Rockwell supports the uh, parallel redundancy protocol natively, so it can live directly in the A and the B network without having to use a Redbox device. Okay, and then in terms of actual deployment and management of these networks, uh, is this something that is, it doesn't seem like it would just be an easy fix or an easy transition. Uh, what kind of offerings can we offer to the customer for this actual deployment? One, one of the primary things in network that you need to do before you try to deploy something like this is measure your traffic to make sure you know where you're at, establish a baseline. This would be something you would typically want to do for any large project, but especially critical if you're, if you're, if you're installing a mission critical network such as a parallel redundancy network. Uh, one of the nice things about it is all of the switches and Ethernet components within the A and the B channel, there's nothing special about them other than that they have to support the uh, large frame. It's a 1,506 byte frame packets or larger. So the end devices have to be parallel redundancy aware, but the devices in between don't necessarily have to. Unfortunately, it still needs to be designed properly if you want a good, resilient network. Okay. And that sounds like something, if you need to have a better understanding of your network, say, whether you already have a control net infrastructure or you're looking potentially to alleviate some of this possible downtime or have a highly available network, uh, Mac and Mac's network services group also, uh, I know we've, we've had a previous episode with Janie uh, where she discussed essentially these audits that we can go in prior to possibly deploying this. I guess the last question I have is, say in the sense that we actually do have something go down, I know that there is a fallover. Is there any interaction from the customer? Is there anything, say, uh, like typically if we have a, a fault um, in, a, in a relay or anything like that, is it something that needs to be reset or managed or is it something that will take care of itself? Well, depending on the network devices themselves, they can either reset automatically, which most would, or you may have to have some type of manual reset or power cycle, as the case may be. But in general, the customer doesn't have to take you know, any necessary, doesn't necessarily have to do anything as long as the network can heal itself at some point. One thing to note about this is the, the changeover happens so fast uh, you do have to monitor the health of the connection and maybe put it on an HMI or an alarm. So, uh, you know, you need to be aware of it, but it could clear it up. It could be as simple as somebody turned off a switch in one of the A or B networks and it just takes some time for it to reboot. Perfect. Okay. Well, that's all I had. Jeff, do you have anything else you'd like to add? I think that covers this, uh, this new technology pretty well. Okay, perfect. So if you're in a process application or you're somewhere where network downtime uh, and resiliency is of the utmost importance. You need to be aware of this parallel redundancy uh, and McNaughton McKay is here to help. So if you have any other questions, uh, please feel free to contact us at podcast at mc-mc.com 
or reach out to your local McNaughton McKay account manager. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you.